This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. We are, even though we're in the middle of January, we are going to just stop and pause and rethink about 2023 and specifically about key theological moments. Now, these might not be the most important 10 for 2023, but these are Colin Hansen's top theological stories of 2023, and we're just going to use them. And this is your opportunity as one of our listeners to write into the Gospel for Life Idaho at gmail.com and let us know your top theological stories of 2023 and maybe you have other ones that differ from Colin Hansen's and if you do we would love to hear them and we would love to talk about them on the air so thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com if you want us to address any of those we covered 10 and 9 yesterday so if you missed that you can go back and subscribe to our podcast and hear those Southern Baptist Convention dis fellowships saddleback church over female pastors and number nine pro-life movement regroups after electrical electoral setbacks number nine is that tim keller passed away in 2023 some people don't know who tim keller is tim keller was a a pastor in uh, manhattan new york had a profound ministry you know if you were to sit in his church you might uh, see uh, people from, you know, different persuasions, you know, sitting there uh, taking in uh, the Word of God. A number of news anchor people would show up in his church. He he had a way of communicating uh, the gospel to uh, the masses. And, you know, he's in a particular ministry there where, you know, you think about the antagonism, antagonism toward the gospel is very profound in, in uh, New York. In fact, you know, years ago, listening to Tim Keller, I would think, well, it's happening in New York, but it's gonna it's gonna reach me here. Um, you know, in you know the flyover country as well, because these attitudes have a way of migrating. And so, I I always found uh, his ministry quite profound. Yeah. I think what's newsworthy is not necessarily that Tim Keller died, because that's a destiny we'll, we'll all face. Only mm-hmm. one has faced it and overcome it in the personal work of Christ, but it's the theological and missional influence that, that Keller had. Um, mm-hmm. He's a prolific writer uh, and wrote, uh, and I think as he would say, did not make the, the gospel relevant, but show, had a unique ability to show the relevancy of the gospel to life and circumstances. And uh, for, for me, he was particularly influential, influential in coming out of kind of big evangelical church growth movement, mm-hmm. ministry philosophy, to mm-hmm. recognizing then all that it is, the life, or the testimony of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that should be at the center of the church, the center of the preaching, and the center of everything we do as disciples. That was uh, a significant theological light bulb moment for me uh, because it wasn't the church I grew up in. We had program-driven ministry. Right. 
I I heard him uh, speak before I even knew who Tim Keller was. You know, I was listening to him and I was thinking, this is this is amazing. And uh, for a number of years, you know, back in the '90s, I actually got tapes from him and would listen to them when I was driving in the car. And I would encourage you know what's really interesting is right now, a person that would like to, they can get his sermons and talks free on uh, you know through you know we call ourselves the Gospel for Life. There is a gospel in life that is more popular than us. Just slightly. The gospel in life, you know, has his sermons and talks and resources there, and you could get him. But he passed away from pancreatic cancer, and you know, so uh, I was following along. My my father passed away from pancreatic cancer, mm. but you know, one of the things that he had the time to do was face an imminent death, and he said. Uh, himself that the way I handle imminent death is by fighting my sin and getting de- in yeah. deeper communion with God. And uh, he actually had prepared his own funeral service in one sense. He, had, hmm. he, he planned that out. Uh, the hymns that he chose, I'll just share with you a little bit and it will give you an insight into him. These are the hymns he, he, he chose, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise, about God and all of his attributes. Amazing love, how can it be about a personal relationship with God? How firm a foundation, connecting to God through his word. Jesus lives and so shall I, gives hope for life after death. And then for all the saints who from their labor rest, reminds us of all the saints will be gathered together at last. And, you know, it kind of gives you a, a sense of who he was. He would say, if I'm not your security, then you have no security. That's what God says. If I, I'm not your security, then you have no security because I'm the only thing that can't be taken away from you. I will hold you in my everlasting arms. Every other set of arms will fail you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, we understand as hosts here that there was controversy sometimes that, that went with Tim Keller. There were some people that believed that he had watered down the gospel or changed the gospel and were critical of him. Um, I know people that basically said they had canceled Tim Keller, wouldn't read any of his books. And I I actually find that to be a little bit disturbing. Mm -hmm. You know, about any minister, uh, you could find something that you might not prefer him to say it the way he said it. I think that he didn't water down the gospel, but maybe some of the applications he took to it uh, might you know where he talked about human flourishing you know he was uh, you know there were some things about uh, his understanding of creation that was affected and he you know we spoke the other day about women in ministry he had deaconesses serving in his church and so people had differences of theological opinion with him but uh, one of the things that you couldn't criticize him about was his personal faithfulness and uh, you know living his life well. He didn't live to be the most popular person on the planet. He was faithful to his calling. He didn't create controversy for his church by falling into sin uh, mm-hmm. and 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 doing uh, you know you know that we we lived through uh, that. Every time a minister fails, we feel it as ministers. That was not something that you would experience from Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. And he, it's already kind of been mentioned, but I mean, he, he had an ability to, that God used to make the gospel credible. approachable to everybody. Yeah, credible. And people that normally wouldn't even give it the time of day, God used him to really reach uh, a level of society that um, was, like you said, when it, it, it appeared credible to them. So he, he was reformed. He was, he was in the Presbyterian Church, and mm-hmm. I think so for the reform for the reformed con, convicted. 
Um, I, I think Tim Keller didn't do anything real new, mm-hmm. but he was doing it in a, in a unique place in New York. What I think that the reason why he's so influential is because broad evangelicalism uh, was captivated by him and began right. to be influenced by these reformed uh, convictions of gospel centrality and the authority of the word. I think See, that was I, would, I wouldn't necessarily go to his books for learning about Tim Keller. I would go back to his sermons, listen yeah. to his sermons, because they're expository. He His priority was to explain the scripture and then make application from that. You know, So he would he was going verse by verse through scripture. He, I mean, he didn't uh, – he would – he would take a passage of scripture. He didn't just take a word from scripture and make a sermon out of it. He would take a passage of a scripture, explain it in its context, and, uh, and give you an understanding of the word. And then he would uh, uh, tell those truths in a fe- fresh and um, engaging way. I would. Last thing I would say about Tim Keller is he did have a, a pretty significant ripple effect on young reformed yeah. ministers. So there's a lot of ministers today that came into reformed theology through Tim mm-hmm. Keller, mm-hmm. Um, and so there is a, a legacy, if you will, of sorts of people that have been influenced by him, and even. And well, I would just there's, go strong. There's thousands of churches that were planted as, yep. a, as a result of what they learned from um, ministry from Tim Keller. And I would just suggest a book. It's called Graciousness, Tempering Truth with Love by a man by the name of John um, Kratz. Um, and in that book, he, he has just a helpful section about this whole idea of counseling people that you disagree with something mm-hmm. of that they've said. And he really pushes back against that, and 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 I would I would push back against that. I would say that there are people that I disagree with that I can still learn from, mm-hmm. and I, I think just maturity and discernment helps me to be able to engage with people that I don't agree everything with what they're saying, but I can still benefit from them. And I hope that you feel that way about Tim Keller, because he does have so much good to offer. I've learned so much from him, even in moments that I also still disagree with some mm-hmm. of his perspectives. Mm-hmm. Number seven, fears of Christian nationalism focus on the new speaker. So we lived through just a, an awful display of political life in 2023 with the whole Speaker of the House fiasco. Um, not a pr- proud moment in the, the annals of political history. Um, actually, quite an embarrassment um, for our political system and, and for the Republican Party as a whole, um, how they went through that entire process. It pained me as a former government teacher to watch um, that debacle of lack of leadership and maturity and um, talk about not being able to work with others nicely. That's what we saw in 2023. And it is the perspective, unfortunately, of so many that have embraced Christian nationalism. And I believe that's what Colin Hansen is talking about. So you guys can just jump in on this one. Yeah, so one of the fears is because Mike uh, Johnson happens to be uh, an evangelical Christian. He's a, he's a Southern Baptist uh, and has Christian convictions that 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 is a rise or a continued rise of this idea of, of Christian nationalism, um, this idea that there's a, a a desire for theocracy to be formed in the United States and the, just kind of that the religious ideology to be imposed upon everyone um, in, in the country. Uh, and so that's that's the fear that and that that's all over depending on the news channels you watch and the headlines you watch. Um, one particularly inter- interesting story there was there's a, a cable a late night cable host who uh, picked at Mike Johnson's commitment to purity 
culture. Um, he and his son use a software on their cell phones and they share accountability with one another. And for this non-Christian host, that was just like coming out of left field. Couldn't understand why mm-hmm. uh, a man would seek to embrace purity or seek with his uh, older high school son to guard that for himself. And so it just, again, creates a disconnect between the uh, person of the flesh and the person of the spirit and how they walk. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in some ways, it, I, I, I kind of felt it, it showed kind of, and it highlighted the disconnect that our culture has from Christianity. That's just, that's becoming more apparent um, when someone rises to a position of power and uh, that appears to have very strong biblical convictions and it's something that's intolerable to a large segment of our society now i am not actually taking the perspective that mike johnson embraces christian nationalism Um, right i actually just think he's a is a, a solid christian man however there is this whole bunch of of negative aspects of christian nationalism that are being linked to him and to others that serve some of which are have exploited that movement to serve their political purposes and some that are just being unfairly attached to it. So I am just going to be clear. I, I actually don't support Christian nationalism. I, I, I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's healthy. And I don't believe that we are called to a theocracy. And so I, but unfortunately that is tainting so many that are involved and so best, of, to, best to just be a Christian that's correct right. yes. be faithful in for the Christ crowning covenant that's right yeah. that's all the time we have for today I'm sure we'll circle back to this eventually thanks for listening we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>